This is Murphy and Friends, and we have the wonderful young judge Karen Best here talking about issues that we should know about. Uh, she is running for the judge in Yonkers, but she'll share that with you. How are you, Miss Best? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing well. You look well. Thank you. I appreciate it. You look well yourself. Yes. I. What I like about you, you are a person of your word. That's important to people out there, that you recognize something, you recognize what you want to, where you want to go in life, and you're heading towards that. But tell me what we're talking today, because we spoke two or three times before. Yes. Um, well, I just want people to get to know me better and learn more about me and who I am because running for a judicial position there are a lot of rules so when you're running for to be a judge whether it's a state position whether it's a local position there are judicial ethics so judicial ethics requires you to either do certain things or not do certain things and one of the things that we can't do as candidates is speak about our political views. So a lot of times people don't ask us questions because we can't talk about where we stand as far as controversial issues, as far as you know Medicaid for all or abortion or issues like that where people would want to know where we stand in order to decide how to vote. I understand that, but I think people in general, white, black, Asians, uh, Hispanics, want to be treated fairly. Yes. You know, uh, no one wants to see two people who have done the same thing, one gets jail and one gets joyriding. Right. So uh, that's what I think. I don't, I don't think that uh, you can't answer me hypothetically on A, B, C, and D. Right. But just treat me fairly. Yes, and I, I tell people who want to know about why they should vote for me, I tell them the best way to answer, for me to answer that question is to ask me about me. Because when you get a sense of who I am and how I, you know, what I've dealt with in my life or what I've faced, you can decide whether I'm someone that you would want to see represent you on the bench. And you can do that with any anyone that you feel you have to vote or you're going to have to vote for to just get an idea of who they are as a person, because that's what's important also. Well, I certainly agree. Uh, you There's how many children in your family? Well, on my mother's side, with the sisters that I grew up with, there's three. So... And where do you fit in? I am the middle. That's wonderful because you have to, like the first one, my, my daughter is the first child. Mm -hmm. That's the child who takes a lot of the responsibility of the parent. That middle child has to now negotiate how things are done in the household. Give me an example. Well, I would say, even though I'm the middle child, I am also, or was also, the oldest because there's a huge age gap. So with my older sister, it's five years and then- That's not bad. No, but then with my younger sister, between her and I, it's 10 years. So by yes. the time she was born, my older sister was basically out the house. Yeah, she was 15 and looking at college and right. other things and there you are. Right, so of course as the middle child, you 
sometimes feel like you have to vie for the attention. Because especially at 10, you're used to being the baby and now there's a baby. But there's also this nurturing part of it because now you have someone that's looking up to you and wants to be like you. That's important. Mm -hmm. uh, my two oldest are only 13 months apart, and then I have the twins. So, of course, I can't put myself in their shoes. But I know that that's an obligation. Yes. They have to deal with me as well as the twins. I always worked two jobs, and uh, they had to be sure that by the time I came home, things Things were ready. That puts you into a leadership position, I think, I think. It, it did, because my I've told people when I've spoken and just in public that I was raised by a single mother, and she worked hard. She had a nine-to-five, because luckily she was able to work in a hospital, and you know she's a union member. Even now, she's worked um, in a hospital for 32-plus years. So she had the ability to have support by working in a, a job that provided a union, and there's benefits with that also. But in the household, at 10, 15, you have responsibilities. You have to learn how to do the laundry, wash dishes, things like that. You learn earlier when there's a lack of, um, re not even resources, but people in the home to help you. Yes, yes, and I, I know my children will uh, attest to that. <laughs> it's unfortunate, but right. it's a reality. Yes. Uh, unfortunately, m most people don't have enough money to have a, what do they call them now? Nannies in their home yes. that could have some food prepared and uh, or at least out. So you, so you learned all of those things you had to. I had to, but it made me a better person mm -hmm. because I don't have to rely on people to do things for me. Exactly. I I, uh, I can also attest to your feistiness. This is what I want. I want A, B, C, D. Oh, how do I begin to get A, B, C, D? Because there are people out there who's listening and might ask their children to come. I want you to listen to that. Mm -hmm. I was like that. I, uh, well, major difference in age. So everybody was like that. Everybody had to do the laundry when they came home, had to do the kitchen. That's how it was. Mm -hmm. And so I have uh, two masters. That means I, I had an undergraduate too, right? And worked on a PhD, but I wanted to do it in something that the school didn't offer. So that was that. Uh, it makes you say, I want that. Yes, it does. And how have you gone about, because your ABCs is true, if you're a physicist and want to work at NASA or any of those things? I think the first thing you have to recognize that there will be some failures. There will be some missteps and there will be some Do mistakes. we call them failures? Yes. Why do you call them failures? Because you, it doesn't work out. But it, it, you don't. You look at them as failures, and you have to also look the, at them as learning experiences. That's what I'd rather use. Well, I, here, uh, there's a hole in the ground. I didn't see it, and I stepped in it. Mm -hmm. You get hurt if you fall. That's right. But this, but when I recognize I fell, I scratched my knee. Right there. That 
now what do I do? Right. I look more closely. Yes. And try to predict 10 steps ahead. Is there a hole there? The one thing that I learned, like people, you hear about like start, the startups in San Francisco as far as the tech startups. People don't realize that someone that might have made Twitter or Snapchat, they made probably 10 other businesses or startups that failed. That's part of the process in order to get to the point where you learn from each one of them in order to have a Snapchat, a Facebook, a Twitter, or, or something else. So you have to look, that's why I said it's a failure in a sense where you, you made mistakes, you made the wrong decisions, you didn't see certain things, and you get hurt. Of course, your feelings, but then after you get over that, you then do it again, and do it again, and then do it again, because most times you don't get it right the first time. Oh, absolutely. The other thing, when I think of, things that I've done. When I went to school, I was in Eden War Project. I didn't know anybody who went to school. Mm-hmm. So that was something that ha- had to be looked at too. But the other thing is, part of that is, I didn't have anybody around me who had gone to school. So I didn't know the questions to ask. He, this is like jumping into an ocean, not not a putting your feet in Orchard Beach. Right. And so who did you have around you to say, why don't you go to school? Who did that for you? I would say my mom, because she wanted a better life for all her children. But she herself didn't go to a university, so she wasn't a a resource for that. I would say the teachers in school, because when when a teacher sees a student that has potential and they care, they and they care yes and they care they push those students to do better and to you know find something that works for them for me it was college i tell people college isn't for everyone but that doesn't mean you can't get a trade or a certificate i believe that 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 route college is not for everyone i certainly believe that but you can help in that route that parent or grandparent Mm -hmm. aunt's listening you can help uh at 16, what do you, th- I always ask people, what did you want to be when you were 12 years old? I wanted to be a lawyer. See? I, w- I wanted to be a lawyer. The average kid has an idea of what they want to be. Even if they're 40, they right. would say, I've always wanted to do X, Y, and Z. So I hope parents can push them in that direction. And so you went to college. Yes. What college? Uh, well, first I went to Adelphi University. That's and unfortunately, when you don't have the resources, and I mean financially, and a lot of schools now charge twenty, thirty, forty, even fifty thousand dollars a year, I didn't have it. So what I did was, after a year, I left Adelphi, and I transferred to CUNY, and I finished my degree at Hunter College. Okay, that was your bachelor's. Yes. Now you have an idea. What other idea did you have in your head? Well, why did you want to go from there? Well, at that point, I wasn't sure if I still wanted to be a lawyer. The first year I was in law, well, my law school, an undergrad, nine eleven happened, and like I said, my mom worked in a hospital, and she said, "Why don't you get a job in a hospital or I mean, medical or in healthcare? Because those are the jobs that are always going to be in demand." So I got a job working at her hospital, and I worked there for about five years. And, Very good. And I was able to be exposed to different healthcare professions, like medical tech, 
um, phlebotomists, nurses, lab tech, all these jobs, doctors, PAs. And I was like, this is so not for me. And I said, I'm going to go back to what I originally wanted to do, which is be a lawyer. Like I knew, but I was able to rule out everything else within that. I see. I think that in my, my humble opinion, mm-hmm. when people are pressing their children to go to college and the kid is not sure, I think it's the best thing for that kid to uh, go into something. Maybe it's McDonald's. Hey, that's not for me. People yelling at me, whatever. That was else. my first job. Yeah, my so first on the books job. Was you McDonald's. try out all of these different yes. things. I know my son, who is a doctor. He, uh, between uh, classes, he would uh, he worked for the post office. Mm-hmm. He caddied. He did so many other things, and but he told me when he was eight years old. I was picking the twins up from uh, child care. He says, I'm going to be a neuro, a neurologist, that's what he said. Mm-hmm. And he did that. But uh, we were talking during Kwanzaa, and one of the, they were all my children's age. One of the young men was there, and I said, your brother, from the time Desi was three years old, called him doctor. Hmm. That has an amazing, I think, mm-hmm. uh, impact on a child. Maybe you don't become a doctor. Maybe you become a nurse. Maybe a phlebotomist. Whatever. But that has an amazing effect on you. Who, you said you wanted to be a lawyer. Yes. Who within the community of people said, gave you, I can help you? think anyone necessarily said that I can help you I grew up in New York City so in New York City when you apply to high school because you are either zoned to that school where you lived in that area or you can apply to a high school that has the trade or career path that you want so while I was applying for high school I applied to several schools that had law in it. Was that the Thurgood Marshall School in 145th or around there? No, I was in Queens, so I applied to Cardozo High School, and that's where I went because Cardozo had math and science, law, and dance. So, like, Jackson used to be a school, and then they broke it up, and one was math and science, one was, like, law and enforcement, and I forget the other third component for that school. So you'll have schools like LaGuardia in Queens has, like, performing arts, so you'll know some of you know, famous people who are in the music industry might have from Queens might have been in LaGuardia. Or even Edison, which is a high school in, in Queens, they had automotive. So if you had an idea of what kind of trade or career or profession you want to be in, that's how you apply to those schools. So I was lucky. Did it help you? It did. Those, it did. How? Because I took law classes. It wasn't serious classes, like if you were like in college or in law school, but it gave me an opportunity to be exposed to it and have that make that decision whether or not I liked it and I did I would always do the homework I was engaged in the class discussions so I was motivated so that's what kept me wanting to be a lawyer was the little bit of and I was able to do an internship had the ability to do an internship I didn't but it, it, it allowed you to do that because the to teachers mm-hmm. were the teachers or lawyers the ones that taught the law class um 
no, not that I not that I know of or that I can remember. Actually, maybe the one. Yes, I believe one was. Because we, it was so long ago. I hate to say it, it was so long ago, but <laughs> uh, but it, it, were, it For was. For all of us who are over sixty years old, <laughs> don't pay attention to what you just said. But it was the exposure. So even with my niece, um, she's very creative, and I tried to expose her to different things. And even when I was how old is she now? She's now nineteen. See, you're there for her, and uh, it's a whole new generation of thinking that you can do yes. anything that you want to do, and I think that I think that that's great. Mm-hmm. I even exposed. I took her to a couple of classes while I was in law school. And just to see how she would, you know, whether she would like it or not. And she's like, I am so not going to be a lawyer. This is boring. And this was, she was probably nine or ten years old. And, yeah, about maybe, maybe 11. But, um, and that right there, that a little bit exposure was, I was able to know she, this was something she wasn't going to do. It's not her personality. So, lawyer, isn't it? She might turn into being, uh, you know, a fashion designer or something else, but at least she was exposed to something and knows it. I love it. I love that we are we are thinking so far ahead of ourselves than was when I was a child. Uh, what law school did you go to? Hofstra Law. It's now mm-hmm. the Maurice A. Dean School of Law. Oh, okay. Okay. They changed the name. And how was it when you first graduated? It was hard. Because at that point, the economy, it was basically almost like a recession. And finding a job was very hard because the market was upside down. It was saturated with a lot of people coming out of law school, but not a lot of jobs. And I remember, you know, even before I went to law school, it was the opposite. And people from Harvard were getting the fancy white shoe, you know, fancy shoe jobs where you're in a nice building, the high rise is making easily over well over a hundred thousand to two hundred thousand a year. Now with the recession, those people didn't have those jobs. So they then turned to public interest, the DA's office, legal aid, the defender's offices. And then those offices started being more selective because now they're getting people from Ivy League schools. So that shortage caused an up down, upside down effect with law students. So I ended up having to work with um, Chase, Chase Bank for a little while, maybe six months. Doing what at Chase? During that time, the Comptroller of Currency and the government were requiring all the, the big banks that did mortgages to look at their practices over the past few years because one of the reasons why we're in a recession. Well, that's, that's really good. Yes. I got a lot of practical experience in foreclosure because a lot of people were in foreclosure, lost their homes, and the federal government said, well, there were some business practices that were predatory. So they wanted the banks to review their own practices. They hired people to see if they needed to, I guess, repay those um, people who they gave loans to because... They shouldn't have given them the loans in the first place. They were giving zero interest. You know, think when they knew some people couldn't afford to pay like a balloon mortgage after a few years. So I was one of the people that reviewed the files from 
the bank that they had. And I, I interviewed at different places because I was told if you really want to practice law, if you really want to, because I wanted to be a public defender, if you really want to be a public defender, you'll do it anywhere. So I applied to West, I got a online um, directory of all the public defender offices, DA's offices in the state. And I applied to pretty much all of them. And one place that called me back was the Legal Aid Society of Westchester County. And they called me back. I interviewed with them and I found out that they only ha um, handle felony cases. They don't handle, at that point, they didn't handle misdemeanors and violations. And then New York City Legal Aid finally called me back. And I said, I'll go with the Legal Aid Society of Westchester County. For me, it was like, it would be great experience and a lot of education to How start off doing felonies. Did you combine the experience at Chase? How did you include, combine is a good thing, that you had at legal service, uh, I'm legal services, <laughs> your legal aid, yes. I would say I combine, I, I used all of my experience because when people don't have jobs, when people are facing homelessness and people need money they tend to do the wrong things and it's all intertwined you know it's kind of like that hypothetical of someone steals like you know bread to feed his family is it wrong that's not hypothetical though unfortunately right. correct uh yeah no, i i certainly agree uh, a lot of people i won't say a lot there are people who end up in the system because of their circumstances and yes. the decisions they have to make. Yes. Yes. And that I, when I was teaching at Lehman, I always felt that when we look at women, we, have, we put them in this category. And people that are on welfare, females, maybe they have two, three kids. They do what they have to do. Is it legal or, or not? And I want youngsters to hear that. How will you, let me ask this question first because the other one will come. I'm listening to radio as I came over here. It was NPR. And uh, they were looking at the women who were running for president mm -hmm. and clearly stating that none of them went hot. The closest, Kopichar, that's yes. how you pronounce the name? with the closest last night and how do we look at women then there's warren how do we look at women and uh i'm not asking you to answer but we know that there is a gap mm -hmm. and you bring that kind of feeling tell me about being a judge, you're not supposed to make any kind of hypothetical things, I understand. You have to do a lot of studying, don't you, while you're on that bench. I come to you, I don't know how I would come to you, but I come to you, and whatever is presented. If you have never been presented that before, you have to do, you don't have, what do you call, what do they call that? A lawyer to do your research for you. You have to do that yourself, don't you? Well... Speaking from where I'm at now as an administrative law judge, and even if when I was a criminal, well, when I was a public defender, you don't always have the answer. And that's, that's with anything. You don't always, you might not always have the answer right at the tip of your finger, or, but there's always a book. 
And like at work, if there is an issue presented to me right in that moment, or if I just make a decision and I'm not sure if it was the right decision, I go back to the law. There's decisions that are made, like the Supreme Court of And they the make US, decisions yes, coming come, out all the time. Right, and then we have to then follow it all the way down. As a judge in Yonkers, a judge in you know the appellate division, you have to follow precedent. There, there are cases that tell you how to rule. So there are, basically you do your own research by looking at case law and you're looking at the law. And that's how you come to the, what you would hope is the right decision. And if it is, it's not the right decision, even where I'm at now, I tell people, if you disagree with me, I don't take it personal. I, I'm not going to be angry with you. You can appeal. I've, I like, I don't watch many judge shows, but the one hot bench where you have three people who view the same issue mm -hmm. in three different ways and they have to come together mm -hmm. somehow. And they might only, if there's two or three parts, they might, everybody might agree on A, two of them might agree on B, and all, either all of them agree on C. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think I find law exciting. And I think that... Um, Learn. You're constantly learning because you're on that bench. Yes. And uh, you may have never heard of this kind of thing before or whatever, or know that there's a new law on it. Yes. And it's constantly changing and evolving. And it. And I tell people, they'll ask me, well, what about this law or this is unfair? And I tell them, they're, everywhere you go, whether it's local, state, federal, there are still three branches. You have, you know, the executive, which is federal, with the president, but you have the executive with the governor, and you have the executive with your local mayor. Then you have the legislative, which you have is Congress. Here you have the same thing with your representatives in Albany. And then you have your city council people, if you're local, or your town people, if you're local. And then you have your judicial, which you have this U.S. Supreme Court. And then statewide, you have the highest courts in each state. And then you have your local or town or city court judges. Those three branches are what's supposed to balance things. So I'm confused. Okay. You say we have the executive, we know that, and the legislators and the courts. And you say even down to the mayor's level, how can a mayor impact a law? Well, I can just say from the local level, the mayor signs it. Sometimes you can veto it. But, like, for instance, mm -hmm. city council, they're the ones that come up with the local ordinances and everything else. Okay. Okay. And then the judicial portion of it, we have to enforce it. And that's why I tell people I don't take it personal if you want to appeal this I might not agree with the law, but my opinion does not matter. That's why we're not allowed to, to speak about politics, because politics shouldn't be in the courtroom. It should be the letter of the law and how it should be enforced. So that's why I tell people, if you don't like my ruling, you feel free to appeal it, because it might not be that it's my ruling. You don't like the rule. So how do you change the rule without challenging it? I don't mind when people challenge things. It's the way you challenge it. So that's where I'm saying that the judges are important, but you also have to think about the other branches mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because they influence each other. Mm -hmm. 
So uh, we have an ordinance. I'm just hypothetical. Mm -hmm. You can't you can't go outside with no shoes on. Mm -hmm. So the mayor gets the legislator to know that, and then you can enforce it or not enforce it. Well, if say the you know everyone votes on it um, on the other part of the side, and then it's written into law, city council. Um, I would have to enforce it. Because if you go outside and you're caught without shoes on and you get, say, a civil, like a ticket, and you have to come before me and I have to decide, um, or say if it's even criminal, let's say it's criminal, and you will get four days in jail. And you're like, this law is unfair, I'm going to challenge it, I'm going to go to trial, and I have to rule based on the law. If there's video showing that you went outside without shoes on, you're guilty. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But you're free to appeal. Mm -hmm. You're free to appeal on constitutional grounds. See, I think that's important because we're recording this and people have to know. They have to know that you're not giving a ruling because you don't like people who wear green. Correct. That you're giving it because you're following. Yes. An ordinance, a law that has been uh, sanctioned by two branches and you're the third. See, I think that that's very important. Uh, and people may or may not know that. You know, if I go to court and I'm going to fight a ticket, I I may not know that I can appeal it. I Well, since I'm the person that people generally go in front of in, in the Bronx for tickets, I tell them you have 28 days. If, you, if I find them guilty, you have 28 days to pay and 30 days to appeal. And they will say, where do you get the appeal form? You can either go online or you can go where I'm So do many of them do that? I'm not, I don't deal with the appeals. Mm -hmm. So, but um, we have, a, I would say, a, a good number of appeals, I would say. I don't, I don't know how many people appeal my decisions. I can say that if someone appeals a decision I made and it, it's a big issue, then I would be told about it. So knock on wood, I have never been approached about one of my cases i think this is good for people to know that just because a judge says that uh these glasses are green and you say no 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 they're red is that that they can appeal it mm -hmm. and is it a cost um at the dmv i believe it's a ten dollars actually and people don't recognize at the dmv that you actually have to if you're found guilty you have to pay the fine and the surcharge and if you don't, even if you're appealing, from unless they make an exception, that's my understanding, um, then if you don't pay, you'll be suspended and there's another suspension fee. So the money adds up. But I generally stay away from that process because once you know and you tell people one thing, then they're going to want you to know more and tell them more. And that's not the that's side. That's not fair to right. you. It's not, my, it's not my process. So mm -hmm. that's why I tell them, you know, the form shouldn't tell them what to do and what to expect. I don't want to mm -hmm. go into a different part of the function that I'm not supposed to. Because I've seen, just as a social worker, uh, where people, they come out at you like, boom. I said, wait a second, wait a second. What, what can we do? How can we uh, look at this differently? Maybe you need to see another person or something that can handle this. Right. Uh, what does an administrative judge do? Well, and that's funny because someone was asking me that the other day because they were asking me about 
um, I think like social security because you have administrative law judges in all in branches. every branch. Yes, okay. especially the federal government, you have administrative law judges. Even like the um, if you're getting so like welfare, you might run. Into, I think they call it like fair hearing judges, but they're administrative law judges. Where people who deal with civil penalties, and for instance, like social security, if you're filing an appeal because you were denied benefits, you would deal with administrative law judges. People don't know that even though it's not a criminal penalty, it is important because it's dealing with your life. What is the difference between a a, a civil penalty dis- yeah. yes, and criminal? Yes. So basically criminal, you can go to jail, you can go to prison, and there are some fees associated with that, like court costs. Um, but like a civil penalty, there's no criminal repercussions. It's usually just money. So, for instance, operating without a license, you can go to criminal court for that and you could face jail time because you're driving on the street without the privilege. And I, and I tell people driving, having a license is a privilege. It's not a right. Um, you know what I do? Because I, I, I'm sure I'm not the only one that does this. I take a photo stack copy and leave it in the car just smart. in case. That is smart. Uh, and I have done this. I left my little wallet at home, but I haven't, I've had no problems at all. But I think that that's important mm-hmm. because identifying information is on it. Yes. But people, their they're privilege to drive would be sus- usually suspended or revoked. That, not that they don't have it on them because you don't legally have to have a, a driver's license. You can just have an ID. Uh, and it's for your purposes. So God forbid something happens, you can be identified. But... Um, your privileges to drive in New York State can be suspended and you can get arrested and end up in criminal court. But then you could also end up at the Department of Motor Vehicles because we're the ones that give you that privilege. So since you violated the rules of this department, we are now going to enforce penalties on you. So you can end up in jail and pay a fine and you know, Bronx criminal court, and then you have to come to the DMV. And people say, well, that's double jeopardy. And I said, well, no, look at OJ. You know, he was found not guilty at a criminal trial, but then he a civil was, trial. He was, right. Yes, yes. Uh, it's important because when you work for the city, uh, my daughter got a parking ticket, right? Mm-hmm. Which she paid but on the back of it when she read it clearly it said that you have to report this to the department of education I, because technically you've been arrested even right. that even though you, you you haven't gone to jail no one's done anything to you and the police are very nice to you and all that kind of stuff so she had to go down to i don't know if it was 65 court or the one in manhattan and stay there for the whole day. And I think that most people don't know that. Mm-hmm. It says you you have been arrested. You know, you go on, you say, oh, okay, you Sometimes fine. you get a desk appearance ticket where you don't have to go through the whole process of, you know, feeling like a criminal. And they'll just say, just go to court. But you're technically been detained and you have a court case now. So. But yeah, we, it was right in Tuckahoe. We went to the Tuckahoe uh, court. But she still, I think people who work for New York City needs to know that. Mm-hmm. That you have to call up and say, you know, I got to drive to. And I don't think most people, probably 99% don't know that. 
Well, with DMV, it's not you don't you, it's not being arrested. You're just getting a ticket. It's a violation. So if you, if you ever have an application and it says, um, "Have you ever been arrested before?" It's not an arrest. It's just a ticket. So if it involves DMV, it's not an arrest. It's not something you have to put on unless they ask you if you have any tickets because some jobs require to know about your license history. But if you have a ticket and you come before me, it's not criminal and generally you don't have to put it on your application as far as have you ever been arrested or convicted of a crime. I think most people have gotten tickets tonight. Right. I'm not right. until she, 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 you know. Right. And it depends on what the ticket is for. If it's a criminal ticket and they tell you to go to criminal court, you can... 90, 99% time, it's technically you've been arrested. Okay. But dr driving without a license and you come to the DMV or a speeding ticket, you're not arrested at all. It's just you're given a ticket. The same thing as a parking ticket. Oh, really? It's that well, same she, level. She went down to the Board of Ed. She sat there all day. And uh, they just told her to go. <laughs> and I can believe that at the Board of Ed. Tell me, what does a city judge do? In Yonkers, in the city court, you deal with um, misdemeanors, violations, and felonies until they go up to White Plains. There's a traffic court violations um, part where it's basically what I do, where people have speeding tickets, red light tickets, any moving violations, because parking is on the other side over by City Hall. And then you have landlord-tenant, and you have small claims court. So they handle... They do all three? Yes. One, two, three, four. Four. So criminal, landlord... And you said you don't have a law clerk. You've got to remember a lot. Well, they do. You do. They do have staff in the back. I think, from my understanding, they have a library also. I've never been up there. That's like that special place that you don't really get so to So they do the researching on a particular... They can't, yes. You, so it's not a... You may you do a cut-and-dry case, but if it has a little hinge to it, you have people to do the research. Yes. So there's every day in court is pretty much the same when you have people appearing before you. But a lot of times, the way the system works is that people take plea deals. So if someone takes a plea deal, the judge really doesn't have to do much research unless the person has to go to trial. So that's when motions are submitted. So if someone makes a motion to dismiss the case, like the defense attorney makes a motion to dismiss the case, and or they're making motions for speedy trial, whatever it is, then the DA's office responds, and then the defense responds to the DA's motion, and the judge has to give their decision on all these issues within a certain time period. So that's when the research and the staff that supports the judges and the judge gets involved in the case. So that's quite a bit. It is, yes. And that's one of the reasons why people have their cases pending for a considerable amount of time. because Research has to be done. If you're going to trial or if you're filing motions. But a lot of times it does cases don't get to that point because someone will say, you know, I don't want to keep taking off days of work to come fight this case. Can I get something that will keep me out of jail? I'll take probation. Or I was already in jail for two days. Can I get time served? and I'll take the violation, or I'll take the misdemeanor conviction on my record. So that's what happens most times. A lot of people don't go to trial for various reasons, or you know, even though they're saying they're innocent. And that's what I've encountered when I was a public defender. Does a misdemeanor in most cases, uh, because it's A, B, C, with that too, D, does it uh, impact your work? 
It can. I know um, year, a couple years ago in New York City, um, they were requiring that employers didn't ask about records. But if you go to, like, for instance, I remember when I was applying to law school, there was a question about if you've ever been convicted of um, a drug crime because you can, depending on the conviction, you might not get financial aid. Oh, yes. And, and uh, depending on the conviction, you may not be able to go into a pro the projects as a tenant. Yes. Those uh, are collateral yeah. consequences. Yeah. Even up until recently, voting. Yes. These are collateral consequences. I'm 18 years old. I do something stupid. I got a misdemeanor. Of course you can't answer, but I'm going to live to 72, let's say. That, and young people do things that are stupid. I've done things that are stupid. I've done things that are stupid. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, that's part of life. And now I don't want you to make an opinion on that because you can't. Okay. I I just hope that uh, what we hear in the pr press, this one had black face on, this one, da, 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 that was 20, 25 years ago is a person to be penalized for the rest of their life. Because I doubt, now there's, there's a small percentage, maybe 10%, of people who've never done anything wrong. Mm -hmm. And I hate to think that something I did at 18 will be following me for the rest of my life. It, I guess it can and it can't. For instance, you know, if you let it follow you, it can. So for instance, if you hypothetically stole from a store and you were convicted of a misdemeanor, petit larceny or something like that, you will have to put it on certain applications. However, if you hide it and then they find it, then you're definitely not going to get a job or because then they're going to feel like people need to hear that because yes. all of us, some people are just not caught at doing something that's terrible. Right. And some people have been caught, which destroys their lives. Right. I think it's how you, uh, I guess not attack it, but how you choose to address what you've done. And also there's certain things like, um, for instance, if you're a sex offender. Oh, yeah, okay. But, yeah, like that, I can't, that's no, a problem. No, 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 no. Well, how can I get my record expunged? You can't. Um, not in New York State from the really? last time I checked. It can be sealed. I know a kid's record up until a certain age can be sealed. But I'm 18, hanging out with some knuckleheads. Mm -hmm. I thought you can get your record expunged. No. Not to my knowledge. Say no. it, because people are listening to, and they're holding every word you're saying, because that's thrown around a lot. Right. There's a difference between your record being expunged and sealed. So expunged is basically taking your record and putting it in the shredder like it never existed. Like people will come to me in court in front of me and say I have a clean record. And they don't realize that I can look in the system immediately after I make my decision and I can see your full license history back from like the 80s. And I'll tell them, no, you, your record isn't clean. And I can go through a little bit of the history of it, the, when you were convicted, when the ticket was issued, where, how much. 
And they go, well, I thought that disappeared. It doesn't disappear. But sealing is when it's kind of like a vault. So you can hypothetically put your records in a vault, seal the vault, and put a, put a wall in front of it Most so no one can see it. stupid things happen when we're under 25. Mm-hmm. Uh, because what I I've been hearing expunged 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 and I and I uh, that's what I've heard for New York oh it's great because it could be expunged after a certain amount of years that's not true not since I started practicing it might have changed recently I don't want to get no wrong, no I, I, but it I was always when I was doing it it was sealed so sealed is almost as good as just that say for instance you want to get a license from New York State so like I was recently a notary. That's a license. If you're a nurse, you have to be licensed. If you're a doctor, you have social a worker, license. And when your when your record is sealed, or even with the police department, if you want to work for the FBI, those places can go behind that ceiling. I'm sure. And look and see what you did. That's why I said you have to be honest about it, because you never know who has the ability, especially in this day and age with the internet, to look things up. So that's why I said it's about how you approach those mistakes. Because if someone finds out about the mistake, now they know about the mistake and they think you're a liar. Okay, I worked for the drug program for maybe two and a half years, more than that. And I then I went to Bronx Legal. And I happened to, I've had to go to, most of the time, the Bronx courts. And they do like this, Jones, Henry, Murphy, da-da-da-da, and they name all these names. And it's possible you didn't hear your name. Mm-hmm. Or or uh, the person has 10 cases right in front of that person right then and there. And they said, do you want to go home now? And you say, yeah, well, just say you're guilty. Mm. Well, I've never done that. No, no, no. Yeah. No, 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 I, I'm not saying that. Maybe I don't know that I that I have a record, you know, because I dealt with people that a lot of them had just poor education mm-hmm. and didn't know. He said, I can go home. All I have to say is X, Y, and Z. Uh, so I may not be lying when right. I say, do you have, have you ever been convicted? No. Because he said, plead guilty and go home. Well, that's when you, the onus is, the responsibility now is on you to ask, unfortunately. And it's kind of like that old saying, closed mouths don't get fed. Oh, that's a saying? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I never heard that saying. Yeah. Because uh, uh, if you don't ask for something, people might probably won't give it to you. Mm-hmm. And if they don't, if you do ask and they decide not to give it to you, at least you know where they stand at this point. So... Even with me and my personal life, if I want something and I think I could get it, I'll ask for it. That's for people, whether you have a degree or high school right. diploma or whatever, who who are fairly bright. You want me to plead guilty? What does that mean? But unfortunately, right. the clients that I dealt with, ding dong, ding dong, ding dong, and... Uh, they don't know. Well, that's one of the reasons why, like, I'm the vice president for the board of directors for Legal Aid Society. And one of the reasons why we started doing 
the Know Your Rights programs throughout Westchester County. Like this Saturday, we're going to be in New Rochelle. Yeah. And the library. I, 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 I completely river front when you were there. Mm -hmm. I, I must have gone to sleep. I had something to do every day that had was not a part of working. I said, oh my God, that was yesterday. <laughs> but it's okay. Uh, so we're in New Rochelle. It's going to be at the New Rochelle Library from 1 to 3. And we talk about... Have you been to Allen? I'm just asking mm -hmm. you. Uh, Alfred and Friends. Is it Alfred and Friends? I went there years ago. I went there years uh, ago. Near the library. Yes. Uh, um, but we, the, the attorneys that are there, they talk about immigration because that's they do um, consultations there at the office. They talk about the new criminal justice and bail reform, discovery. So there are a lot of relevant topics that we talk about. Um, there's also the census, Karen Barnes, she's amazing. She talks about the census. And I tell people, apply for jobs with the census. You can make up to like $23 an hour. And then we did, we're probably going to stop the voter registration because the last day to vote or change your, well, to register to vote and to change your party is Valentine's Day, which is Friday. So we might not do it that weekend, but we just, we might continue so if, to do it if, it doesn't matter. If I'm 17 and I haven't turned 18, I turned 18 October 31st, I my registration should have already been in? Mm -hmm. Okay. That's my understanding. But I, I think we probably might still do it because at least you'll be registered for the next time. But I'm not sure. I have to double check if it's registration for the primary or... Because everything is deadlines. Even with the Board of Elections, mm -hmm. everything mm -hmm. is deadlines. So if you don't register for something, including the vote by deadline, you can't. Mm -hmm. I remember when I was in undergrad, one of my professors, he was a state senator. And it was election day, or I think the next day, and he said, don't forget to vote. And I said, well, I haven't registered. Can I Can I register now? And he's like, no. <laughs> so you don't I know. I do the polls. Yes, so you don't know. People and, come there. Right, thinking you can do it I'm, there. I, I'm sorry. I, I, what What you have to say is you're not on the list, but we you can fill out a form. Right. And it goes to the court, and that they, will, they will be the arbiters, not... Me, all right. I can you can do, tell do it you online. You can do it at the DMV because I give people the voter registration, the people that I work with. Where I'm like, you got to be active. You got to know what's going on. Mm -hmm. So we have those forms there too at the DMV. You know, I, I don't want to sound prejudiced, and I, and I know it's probably going to sound there, but I find is it called naturalized citizens when you are not born in, in the United States? Um, when you become a citizen. Mm -hmm. Yes, I'm a naturalized citizen. No, all I was going to say about that, as a social worker, mm -hmm. being on, uh, being part of the uh, election in terms of uh, voting, that some of our naturalized citizens seem to know more than people who have been born here and can go back for a few, uh, whatever, they are more invested in being an American citizen than many of uh, people that I've worked with for the past, damn, 50 years? Oh, Lord. Well, I guess, for, and I could just say from my standpoint as a naturalized citizen, because I wasn't born here, I received my citizenship through my mother when she applied. And I was in high school, and I know other people who either apply for their citizenship or their parents have. Um, I guess it's viewed as a privilege. But 
in general even. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, I work, I don't know if you know where that area is, right off Tremont Avenue. And they would tell me, oh, no, Miss Murphy, this is... Mm -hmm. I said, wait, wait a second, let, let me look it up. And I get more questions from them mm -hmm. than I get from people who were born and raised here. I think it's because we view it as a privilege. That's and, and I'm just assuming based off of my experience because you have to know what's going on. When you come to some place that you you are voluntarily going to, you need to figure out things. And in order to figure out things, you, you have to ask questions. So it's kind of like if someone moves from New York to, say, Texas. It's a different culture. It's a different world. I lived in California for a while. It is. Yeah, the you have to. are different. You won't find out anything unless you move out your comfort zone mm -hmm. and start asking questions. So but, yeah. that's why it's important to be exposed to different Oh, absolutely. Things. My uh, When I taught at Lehman for 35 years, towards the last 10, often I would be the only... New York board in my class. And most were people from other countries. You know, so there wasn't a lot of people from the South or the Midwest. Most were people from other countries. From a variety. I have been in a class where I was the only one born in the United States, period. And, you know, I think it's also coming from a feeling of having to keep up because you feel almost at a disadvantage because you weren't here originally you know you have to get where everyone else is in order to compete or so you don't actually recognize that once you get to where everyone else is based on your behavior and the, who you are you end up advancing past them so it's kind of like when I was in law school there were about a handful of us in each law school class that came in and the first time the, the orientation for the few days one of the women who were professors or i forgot who she was exactly but she let us know that black people don't do well in law school and i said to myself well that's a way to, to yeah. make an introduction oh. and I'm like okay y'all gonna have to put me in jail before i smack her <laughs> like no pressure but it already tells you that historically or you know, whatever it is, I'm at a dis. It makes you feel like you're at a disadvantage. So now you feel like you have to compensate. Oh, I think that harder. I think that's true with black people, no matter what course they're taking. Mm -hmm. I was online, and there's uh, there's various things that I I do, linguistic and all that, and and I just responded in the last seven days to this. It said they spoke to Judy, and Judy said blacks. Uh, Double negative, that's what it was. Mm -hmm. Blacks uh, continuously use the double negative. And I wrote back, how dare you? How dare you make that statement about blacks? Mm -hmm. Because everybody I know, you, if you said some, a few, or otherwise, oh, we have over over when our time schedule oh i'll come back i'll keep coming what else back. do you want to say um i'm just hoping that my campaign shows and i plan on making it making a show but i hope people see that 
my message is to don't let anyone tell you what you can and can't do. It starts with believing in yourself first and making the decision to do what you want to do. Do what you need to do because the first person that can stop you and the only person that can stop you is you. So hopefully people get to know more about me, who I am, and see that I'm genuine. And Oh, I think that's so important because you are so much to little girls who run around here, teenagers. I hope you know, so. I can I can be that. She's no smarter than me. That's what, and I try to make pe- my students when I was teaching understand I'm no smarter than you. Maybe I'm more disciplined than you. Well, you have more information, but in this day and age, I like you saying that. You know, once, once. I was once told I was like Kobe, or I'm like Kobe. Kobe Bryant. So people are born with natural talents. Yes, yes. But there's some people, if you consistently work at something, Mm -hmm. you can always excel. Mm -hmm. So Kobe Bryant might not have been the best player when he started, but when everyone else was done practicing, he kept on shooting. And when you keep practicing and you keep shooting, you will only get better. Absolutely. I hope everybody oh, I hope everybody heard that. Keep practicing. Uh, somebody who may be a C student in uh, high school, that college has the ability to so you can choose many of the things that you want. And you might find yourself an A student. Right. So I'm I'm happy that you're here. Thank you. And uh what's your next event? Uh, so, like I said, Saturday, it's going to be at the New Rochelle Library, uh, the Legal Aid Society of Westchester County, 1 to 3. You're going too fast. Sorry. Somebody's writing. So, again, this Saturday at the New Rochelle Library from 1 to 3. Also, on the 22nd, which is a Saturday, we're going to be in Mount Vernon. The We're doing a forum with Lyndon Williams. He is the county legislator in Mount Vernon. We're doing a forum with him. He helped us while we're working together. He's also going to have other panelists talking about evictions, foreclosure. So it should be a good experience. It's going to be next Saturday the 22nd from 10 to 12 at the Westchester Community College campus in Mount Vernon. I will try to be at, I do good for girls next Saturday, but I will try to be at New Rochelle around 2 o'clock. And I'd like to, uh, since it's a public uh, lecture, I would like to uh, record what's being said so people will know. They'll be able to, okay. uh, oh, I can speak to that person, or I can speak to this person. Right. Yeah, this is my concern. Just talking about, for nothing else today, talking about expunging versus sealing. Because... Sealing. You don't hear it, but I hear it a lot. Okay. Oh, Johnny could have his stuff expunged. And I thought that that was very different because I had a friend who was a probation officer. It was one of those, I don't know. And she had this, uh, I guess at that time, a young woman who said who applied to the job and found out her records were not. Mm-hmm. Yes. Knowledge is power. So from then on, I never, I tell people, you better 
see about it. I don't know if you can do it, mm-hmm. but you better see about it. And I guess if they came to, to a lawyer, Laura could say, no, but this may happen. Right. So, okay, I did something at 19 years old. I haven't forgotten you. I've done something mm-hmm. at 19 years old that may not have been correct. And I do that because I want to make it over 18. Uh, I apply for a big-time job. I got a degree. I'm applying to be the whatever. And then I find out. How do I let them know that at 18 or 19 or 21? I think we're still stupid at 21. Well, you know what? I want to leave it as a cliffhanger. Okay. So Bye. everyone will tune in next time from when I'm here. Okay. Bye-bye. Murphy and friends, and we're going off. I enjoy Bye. speaking to uh, Judge Bess. And uh, just think, when you listen to this and... T- 20 years from now, I know her. She's on the Supreme (laughs) Court. You can feel good about it. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Bye-bye. This uh, lady, her funeral will be tomorrow. Mm -hmm. She's 95. Mm-hmm. And uh, her father was in World War One, and her grandmother was born right after the Civil War. Mm. And uh, I, someone asked me to interview her in 1999, but I saw her coming to the church. Mm-hmm. And her father, uh, she knows some of the people, uh, uh, was Bajan. Oh, okay. Okay, and he wrote a note to his daughters. He knew he was dying, mm-hmm. that I brought you to be all the way up there. One daughter who taught at Columbia until she was like 87. Chemistry. Nice. And worked on various things. Uh, when I first met Miss Welch, she told me, oh, yes, we had a slush bucket. I said, what is that? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's where you eliminated mm-hmm. in Yonkers, uh, right, right on Ravine, I think, and then uh, Woodwork. No, she said Woodwork. So I, uh, she worked in those factories. She was there for World War Two. Another sister, uh, concert pianist. Sorry, Go. let me interrupt you. Go. I have to meet Andre Wallace. To t- call him and tell him that. Oh no, no, yeah, he knows that. He actually. Pushed it back to twelve thirty, so I don't want to be late with him. No, no. Six minutes. But yes, I want to come back. Okay. Hello. How did she know somebody was calling her? Hi, how are you? She's coming. Mhm. Yes. What I'll do is um, I'll try to send it to you within like another hour.